Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Why, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, just, I love that. I love that. And during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, all right. They're excited. I wasn't here last week, so they're excited. Um, yeah, we're good. Um, yeah, I was. Uh, what was I? Oh, that that uh, that's only like a minute and ten seconds long. Now I could extend that. Because it seems like it's it's my voice mostly, and then you you come in with a couple of things. But I was like, wasn't the one we did like a couple of years ago? Was it like two and a half minutes or something? Yeah, it was and long. Yeah, it was long. But but we had we had the guest, we had you coming on, and you know I'm um, um you know we we're, we hope to talk to people you know from around the world as guests or something like that. And then we had the right. guest saying you had clips of quite a few guests actually yep. on that. I think I still have that. I bet I still have that uh, audio too. But um, yeah. I, I keep a ridiculous amount of uh, stuff here. Um, but um, I was thinking, you know, why not? We should like maybe for like special events or something, maybe around the holidays. Which, oh, by the way, this is a holiday weekend coming up. But, it is. Um, it is. Yes. It is. We could. Uh, we could probably do like an extended one every once in a while. And that yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, um, but just to you know, just a couple of I don't know. Idea. I, I like that. Yeah, I don't know what I could do for the video, but uh, the audio yeah. I could redo. <laughs> Play with it a little bit, you know, and and all the your video time. Was, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. That video took a that took a while to to put together, but it was fun. Though. That was, yeah. That would take a while. Yeah, since you're doing the video. Oh wow, yeah, the video at the same time. That that would be. Or just pause, pause the video and just have the the audio keep going. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's stuck. Then it starts again. Then it stops again. Yeah. yeah. Slow down a bit. Slow yeah, motion. <laughs> that would be. That would be. Really slow it down. Um, anyway, anyway, it's uh, and I can't find my phone. What am I? I don't know what time it is. Oh, here it is. Uh, it is seven o three p.m. on Thursday, September second, twenty twenty one. Thank you for joining us. We're live on YouTube, Facebook, Blog Talk Radio, and. And whatever else people decide to hear us on, you, you can hear us on just about anything. Yeah, chat with us on on those pages, uh, those locations, and we will, I will chat back and keep it uh, about wine. About wine. 
But I want to address something before we get into wine. Sure. I I missed last week's show because last Thursday, my daughter-in-law passed away from complications from COVID. Mm. And it was unexpected. She was 42 years old. She has a 20-year-old daughter, a 12-year-old daughter, and a 9-year-old daughter and her husband. And uh, it, it was just, it snuck up on everybody. She, about a week before, uh, about a week and a half before, she started to feel bad and it started to get symptoms and they tested. She tested positive for COVID. And then the Saturday before last Thursday, whatever date that is, I don't know, but the Saturday before, uh, she had real hard time breathing. And so her husband took her to the hospital and they put her on a respirator, not a, a not a ventilator, but a respirator. And she was breathing better and she got a little bit better and then she took a turn for the worse. And then by Wednesday afternoon, her organs were starting to deteriorate and Thursday morning at wow. 9.35, she passed away. And she, she was not vaccinated. And if she was, she probably could have fought it off. Uh, the doctor even told, um, you know, our son that if she were vaccinated, she probably would not have been affected so badly and it probably would not have killed her. But she wasn't. Neither was my son at the time. He is now. I mean, it scared him. And so he yeah. got vaccinated. Yeah. If nothing else from this incident and, and, and it's horrible. We uh, uh, we called uh, uh, we're paying for the cremation and we called the cremation uh, home and said you know we need to pick her up and, and do the cremation and the hospital has not released her yet and they don't know when it's going to be because she needs to be examined by the medical examiner. It's just a county thing or a state thing. I don't know what the law is on that, but she needs yeah. to be examined. And the medical examiner is like three weeks behind in this county of examining what? bodies. You know, yeah. it's just this COVID is horrid, just absolutely horrid. And yeah. if nothing else, and I mean, you know, it's, it's, Get vaccinated, people. Get your vaccinations, and wear the mask. And let's let's kill this disease. I mean, let's kill this virus. It's and there's a new strain coming out of South Africa called uh, B point one point two, and there's a new one that I heard that was in California called Mu. I think it was or Wu, something like that. M U R W. And they're just all sorts of different strains or, or mutations are coming from the original COVID. And it's just, it's scary. It's just really scary. So, you know, my thing is get out there and get yourself vaccinated. It doesn't hurt. Just, I, I've been vaccinated. I asked the pharmacist that gave me the vaccination. I said, is this the same thing in each one of these? And I, I got the Moderna. He goes, yes. He said, it doesn't change. It's the same one. And I was even able to get uh, 
a booster because uh, VA and you know that you know uh, underlying health things with the uh, right. diabetes. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I was able to get my booster. They're all the same. Uh, there's nothing different. It's just a booster. But it doesn't hurt. They're not going to send put nanobots in your body or anything. I saw uh, the size of the needle that gives you the the shot is really small, and the size of the needle that would take to put in a nanobot in your body is about the size of a pencil. So they're not going to give you any nanobots, and the government's not <laughs> going to trace you. And if the government wants to trace you, you've got your cell phone in your hand all the time. They can trace you. So yeah, they're um, trashing you anyway. Yeah, you don't. You know, they're if, not going to. If you have a smart device, if you have a smart device in your home, it's listening to you. Um, yeah. it's. Uh, I've had it. I've had it go off during television shows, and it's like, I'm sorry, I did not understand that. Please repeat. And I'm like, I'm not talking to you. Turn yourself off. You're <laughs> listening to me. I'm, I'm afraid to say anything now because it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. talk about it's, you know, it, it's like those Furbies. Yeah. Remember those things where you used to train mm-hmm. to talk, and they would talk <laughs> to you and stuff like that. It's just like. It's like a Furby in your house, only it's, a, it's there all the time, listen to you. you know, so. Worldwide, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, you know, get your shot. I mean, if nothing, if there's any legacy that, that my daughter-in-law leaves, it's the fact that, you know, the, the most of the family has gotten their shots or getting their shots. And I, I just out there, all, anyone who's listening to this, if you have not got your vaccination, do so. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't cost. It doesn't do anything. A few people have gotten, well, actually, my wife didn't feel well after the second one, um, but she, it lasted 24 hours, and she was fine. I mean, it's just so I'm jumping mm-hmm. on the bandwagon for these vaccinations. If my daughter-in-law had one, then she would probably be alive today. So. Enough of my soapbox there. I just had to had to cover that. But that's why I missed last week. It was just last week, and there was no no funeral or anything. We're probably going to do a a celebration of life sometime. But the thing is that really got me too is that the medical examiner is like three weeks behind on all this stuff. I mean, she hasn't even been released. Uh, a lot of hospitals have a refrigerator truck uh, sitting behind on their back lot, and that's where they're putting people until the examiner can examine them, which mm. is it's just horrible. And, and all these people dying from COVID, too, they can't use any of the organs because the COVID is in all the organs. And so, I mean, what a wonderful oh. source for you know transplants, but it can't be done because... It's in all the organs, so it's just a sad thing. It, so. it surprises me, though, one one little thing about, you know, all of last year, the country was pretty much shut down. Everything, you know, hardly anybody was venturing out. Everybody stayed inside for, what, maybe six months or more? Six, I don't eight know. months, uh, yeah. Unless you, had to, unless you had to work, you were one of those essential workers. Thank you very much for doing that. Uh, yes. I don't know. But um, – it just shocks me that after the whole country shuts down, we still have like what was it doing? It was it it couldn't. How long does it live? Not in a 
I don't know what you call it, a host body or something? How airborne? If it's airborne, yeah. where? Do, how does? It, how long can it live on on a surface or where people are still getting, even after you know quarantining for for so many months or not going to work or anything, and people are still being affected by it? I thought that was going to kill. You know, it, it would eventually run itself out, run its course. You would think. The whole world, though, was shut down, and now they're having yeah. major spikes in India, and they're having mm-hmm. major spikes in, uh, where was it, I heard just recent Brazil. I mean, it's just, yeah. it, I, don't, I, don't I don't know. It's, I don't either. No one was I don't either. You know, they, shut down, they shut down airports. No one was flying in. You know, so there's no no excuse for 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 it being still in control like it is. And, and it is in control, and it's mutating, too. I mean, you know, if you shut it down at the beginning, you would not think it would be mutating, but this is starting to mutate now and, and spread around the people. It's just, yeah. just a scary yeah. thing. It's really, you know, people say, do you know anybody yeah. who's been affected? Yeah, I do know somebody who's been affected, and it, it's, a, it's a serious thing out there. It really is. It's, uh, it is. Uh, um, I'm getting some real bad thunder here. So if I if you disappear, you usually disappear yeah. every show anyway toward the end. So that won't be unusual. <laughs> it's <like> automatic. <laughs> yeah, just it's automatic. Like, you just you know you leave and then you come back. You know? <laughs> yep. The phone says, you know what? You've been on long enough. Eh, let me pull yeah. the plug. Let me pull the plug on you. <laughs> yeah, automatic. every week now. Ron yeah, gets over his problems. Been. Passes along here. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you know, one or the other of us have problems. We end, we end up getting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Well, anyway. Yeah. Makes it exciting. Well, yeah. Makes it exciting. Got some oh, things to talk about. Oh. Um, <clears throat> excuse me again. I said I was going to look up holidays, wine holidays. So I started look up wine holidays, and oh my gosh. There are lots of wine holidays. I mean, there's whole months dedicated to different states and uh, stuff like that. Uh, let's see. Let me let me go to June here, for example. Okay. Uh, what do I want to do? June. Yeah. June. June is Idaho Wine Month. It's also Ohio Wine Month and Iowa Wine Month. Uh, there's uh, Saturday the 4th. This year was Cognac Day. Uh, Sunday the 5th was National Bubbly Day. But those are the dates, the 4th and the 5th for those. And there's uh, a drink, Chenin Blanc Day on the 20th, Le Brusco Day on the 21st, National Prosecco Week is the 12th to the 18th this year. Rosé Day is the 13th, but it could be the 11th because some of the sites I saw said it's the 11th. And, you know, this is the way the whole thing went. Like, Chardonnay Day is Thursday before Memorial Day. So it could, but then one of the things here said it was the 20th, which is like a week before Memorial Day. And it it drove me nuts. I'm sitting here trying to mark stuff on a calendar here so I can just have a master. And I've got notes all over the place. I've got some crossed out. I've got little arrows pointing to another day and stuff like that. And everywhere I go, they have different days for different things. It is just insane. So 
I will continue to work on my calendar here. And then whenever we say that we've got a certain holiday coming up, be give or take three or four days either direction. I mean, who knows what's going on with these things? Um, it's just, it's insane. Uh, like Cabernet Day is the Thursday before Labor Day. All right. And they had it the 25th of this last month, the 25th of August. But that's not the Thursday before. Today is the Thursday before Labor Day. So Cabernet Day actually should be today. It, you know, so, and, and today is also South Africa Sparkling Wine Day. But then another calendar said that it's Friday is Cabernet Day. So, I don't know. I, I haven't found one that says I am the authority on wine holidays. There's none out there. They just, they all are different. So, um, we'll try to keep you informed. Try to keep you up to date as much as you can. I will continue to research. I may have my whole calendar here filled up with different days and all that for everything before I'm done, but I don't know. So, this since we're talking about holidays, September is California Wine Month, Illinois Wine Month, Missouri Wine Month, and North Carolina Wine Month. It's also 2021 is the inaugural Aussie Wine Month. So this is the first month for Aussie Wine Month. Uh, today is also the South African Sparkling Wine Day called Cap Pasik Day. Coming up Saturday the 3rd, <clears throat> excuse me, is International Cabernet Sauvignon Day, as opposed to just Cabernet Sauvignon Day, which is either today or tomorrow or sometime. And then Saturday is also Chianti Day. So I will try to keep you informed as best I can on what days are coming up for what, but everybody tends to put different ones down. And there's some of them that say they're the, they're the like in November the 17th, Zimmendel Day is the 17th, or the third Wednesday in November, it says. So it may be the, just the third Wednesday of November and not just the 17th. So uh, I don't know. But every week I'll let you know what's coming up, and we can still celebrate them unless I get definite days on them. So that's that's on the calendar here. And <clears throat> excuse me, something else. The uh for those of you who, who are out there who have a winery or a brewery or anything who who's happened to listen to us, there is a site called corkhounds.com. And for those of you who have dogs and want to take them to a vineyard or winery or a meadery or a brewery, then you can go to www.corkhounds.com. C-O-R-K-H-O-U-N-D-S, corkhounds.com. And it gives a list of the places that welcome your free friend. 
It's uh, and if you want to register, if you are a winery or a meadery or a vineyard or a brewery, and you want to be part of the list, then all you need to do is go to corkpounds.com/register, and it's a free listing, and you can put your name on their list and uh, go from there. So it's a cool thing. I, I, I like that. That's I wish they had this back when the wineries were open. We were always pet friendly, and I wish they had something like this when they were open. But it's a nationwide search, so no matter where you are, you can always find out if they are dog friendly. You go to Facebook to Cork Hounds, and uh, Corky loves wine. I don't know what what that is but but uh and if you got any questions want to get a hold of them info at corecounts.com <clears throat> excuse me we'll get you into it and you can find out if it's friendly or if you're one of those businesses again if you are a vineyard a winery a meadery or a brewery and you have more questions than uh just go to info at corkhounds.com, which is it's a cool, cool site, I think. So there you go with that. And let's see, there's something else. Let me go to my favorites here. And I've saved a couple things just to be sure that I can have them because I was losing them. We talked about the winner already of the uh, two girls that won the prize to work at a winery for a year, which is pretty cool. Severe drought is forcing one of Sonoma's best Syrah vineyards to make no wine this year. This drought in California and the western states is really, really severe. I don't know if if you're aware of it or if you followed it or watching it or something, but it's bad. They usually droughts last a year, maybe two. This one is going into like its fifth year of really severe drought, no rain. And one of Sonoma County's best Syrah vineyards will not bear fruit this year because of the lack of water. It's the Griffin's Lair Vineyard in Petaluma. And the owner, John Flynn, says it's not going to happen. Leaves are turning brown. No water is available to give them. And the decision this week to drop the entire crop was made. And uh, he said that that's not a good thing because he supplies Pinot Noir and Syrah grapes to eight wineries. So it's going to affect at least eight wineries to an extent. Now, a lot of wineries have more than one vineyard that they count on, but some of them don't. If this is their smaller ones, they may may end up not having any grapes for those particular wines, and they won't have a harvest this year, won't have a wine for that this year. So uh, it's, it's, it's affecting all over, but this particular one here is just, it's just sad that it's, the droughts affecting that. Uh, you've seen pictures, I'm sure, of Lake Mead 
and how low that is. It's, it's really low. These lakes, what they do out in California drives me crazy, too. They say it is at 153 feet or 122 feet or all that. That's measured from sea level. That's not measured from how deep the lake actually is. I would much, much prefer if they stop that sea level readings because you got to add so much height to it to get to the bottom of the lake anyway because they obviously are not at sea level. I wish they would just come out and say, well, this lake right now has lost so much it's only 30 feet deep or something like that. And I think people would be able to relate it a little bit more instead of saying, well, it's down to 127 feet and it's really severe. Well, 127 feet does not sound severe. Okay, so... uh, let me uh this one here. And okay. Missouri. I mentioned this is Missouri Wine Month. Missouri wine region is starting to become a uh a, a comeback. They're they're starting to do well. The gut <clears throat> Excuse me. The Augusta area of Missouri, which is west of St. Louis by about uh, 35, 40 miles, is making a comeback, a uh, big comeback. There is some money being put into it, and it is starting to, uh, they're, they're going to do a lot of stuff to it. The Hoffman family of companies. Uh, has been uh, putting together a lot of different wineries and stuff, and they they have purchased wines. They have now got, let's see, uh, it's a Florida-based company, conglomerate. They purchased more than 1,000 acres of land in the Augusta area, including multiple vineyards, a bed and breakfast, a historic cottage, four of its five wineries that are in the area, and a whole bunch of old buildings that are going to be repainted and, and fixed up. Uh, their price tag, $100 million, going to be a destination. The area actually was discovered by the Germans back when they came over here in their early 1800s. And it's an area, I could say, east of or west of, of uh, St. Louis, uh, about a hundred mile area between St. Louis and Jefferson City, which is in the middle of the state, the capital. And it's got steep slopes and stuff like that, which reminded them a lot of their native Germany. And so they planted grapes there and. And they've been tending it and doing it ever since then. The area is anchored by the town of Herman. And it is also the area where Stonehill Winery is located. And at one point, Stonehill Winery was the third largest winery in the world. Uh, up to 200 million, or, uh, 2 million gallons of wine were made each year in Missouri. Uh, back then, uh, they say on this article here that uh, the town of Herman's phylloxera resistant rootstock is also responsible for saving the French wine industry. They're talking about 
flocks and all that. And Missouri wants the claim to that. And you go to Texas and they say they have the claim to it. You go to Tennessee and they say they have the claim to it. I don't know. Everybody wants to say they saved the French wine industry. I don't care who did it. They Whoever did it, did it and it worked. So actually the area of uh, this area is the first AVA in the United States. Everybody's going, what? Yeah, the uh, Herman area was the first American viticulture area in the United States. It was uh, uh, the area, I could say, 45 minutes by St. Louis is a 15-square-mile grape-growing region uh, that is uh, the, uh, I know what it is, what is it? Oh, it doesn't say it here, and I got I got a blank on it. Uh, first American viticulture area. Uh, the oldest one, it got its status in June 20th, 1980. That was eight months before Napa Valley became an AVA. So it actually beat Napa Valley, which is the second AVA um, to become noted, um, recognized in the States. Prohibition put the stop sign up for the Missouri wine. They never recovered after Prohibition. After Prohibition, California jumped up and started to do the thing, and Missouri just sort of fell to the wayside as far as a wine area. But the new plans for the area includes a destination restaurant, a five-star hotel and spa, a 12-hole golf course designed by Reese Jones, a riverboat cruises aboard a luxury yacht that uh, the town is right next to the, uh, the Missouri River there, and also including a flower and coffee shops, a filling station, and general store, a trolley, a carriage, a gator utility vehicles, which will take people around town into the vineyards, and the Katy Trail, which is America's longest stretch of rails to trails sits at the foot of downtown Augusta. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And we say that, you know, that's not much there, but there wasn't much in Branson, Missouri, when Branson, Missouri started. I remember going to Branson, Missouri back when I graduated from high school. And this was many years ago, actually 1967. For the senior week, uh, three buddies and I went down to a cabin that one of them's one of my buddy's parents had, and it was about five miles from Branson. And at the time, Branson consisted of a gas station, a post office, a general store, a bait and tackle shop, and there was one other bill. I can't think of it. But that's 1967. That's what it was. You go down there now and... It's just like, oh, my gosh, it's unbelievable, the difference. And that, you know, in 50 years. So I actually took them less than that. It took them only about 30 years to do that. So this might be another Branson only for wine. It's a good possibility. Um, The uh, David Hoffman is looking at building this up and doing a good full full job on this. Missouri it actually ranks 10th in the U.S. in wine production. 
It's selling 1.6 million gallons un- annually. And it has five American viticulture areas and 125 wineries. Now, this is in the whole state of Missouri. There's a bunch of them over in the western part around Kansas City, but uh, quite a few of them. They use a hybrid grape. Uh, it's a cross between Ameri- Native American vines and the Euro-Asian grapevine species, the Vitus vinifera, which is the muscadine family and stuff like that. A lot of the Missouri winemakers deliberately leave a lot of sweetness in the wines because it's a little bit more palatable for people because without that, it can be quite tart. But the myth that all Missouri wines are sweet is not true. It's there for the tartness, but there's a lot of them that are not made in a, in a sweet style. The Norton grape is the claim to fame in Missouri, but they also claim it in Arkansas. <laughs> so, you know, as in anything in wine, there's all these other people saying, no, it was me, it was me, it was me. So whatever. The Norton grape is uh, something that is very popular in Missouri. It can be made dry or it can be made sweet. I've uh, seen sparkling wines made from it, and so there's all sorts of stuff. So it's a, a big deal. Uh, like uh, one of the people who uh, they interviewed here, who is a sommelier, said, Missouri wines do very well in wine tastings. Uh, and the Norton is the true American grape. He said, can we make wines to compete with $300 Burgundies and Bordeaux? Probably not. Can we make $20 reds, whites, sparkling, rosé, and dessert wines to compete with $20 wines from around the world? Absolutely. So that's what you got to look forward to. If you're in the Midwest, um, they are working on it. They expect 24 months. Uh, they're going to start opening up and start having things available. So, and hopefully in 24 months, we're going to be completely over this uh, COVID and be able to get out there and enjoy it in all of its entirety. So, but that's uh, coming to a area just west of St. Louis by about uh, 45 minutes uh, to an hour west of St. Louis in that area there. So a destination, something to look forward to and something to plan. Okay. Uh, Let's see, I had something else here on my saves. Those are big articles. I want to read those before I start telling you all about it. Now, the here I got one. The, the the mutated virus is called C.1.2. So that, I said B. It's C.1.2. Uh, okay. Um, let me see. We got. This is what I want here. Uh, the. Uh, The burning question for California wine country. 
Oh, that was a cute little use of words. California wine country is burning. I mean, it is. It's it's on fire out there, and it's bad. It's burning all around vineyards. It's burning all around the hillsides. Uh, the area in uh, uh, around Lake Tahoe has been burning. They said that they pretty much got that under control. But uh, a couple of vineyards have been threatened there on the hills that are surrounding uh, the Lake Tahoe area. The, uh, what is it, the Cauldron Cauldron Fire, I believe it's called. And all sorts of places all around the state has had problems with fires. And it has done two things. Number one, it's burned up vineyards. And we've heard about some of those. We've talked about some of those in the show. But another thing it's doing is smoke, uh, smoke taint. And there are lawsuits and there are all sorts of problems with the smoke taint. And it's not anything that, excuse me, it's not anything that anybody can really do because with the smoke and the the flames, uh, it's serious. If it's not added onto the insurance policy, which has to be before, uh, then it's not going to be covered. And if you add it to your insurance policy, it becomes very, very expensive. Uh, because especially now, since they are getting the fires. So the uh, area is having problems because of the drought, which is drying out the grasses and the trees and then the lightning and uh, the electric company out there in California has been the cause of a couple of pretty big fires themselves. And all of this is making an impact on the vineyards and the wineries and it's not looking to get any better they're saying that the uh the uh line where fires usually stop when they're growing up mountains and stuff the line has gotten further up the mountain by about uh thousand fifteen hundred feet because of the drying out of the plants and everything. It used to just be so far, and it would pretty much kill itself at that line because of the moisture and because the altitude is up. Not anymore. It's it's advanced by 1,500 feet, 1,200, 1,500 feet. And so, therefore, that is causing more problems. So, it's, it really has became... Uh, one of the most serious things out in California right now is these fires and the repercussions from the fires. They are trying to uh, keep it from getting in areas that can cause problems. But again, the smoke taint and the smoke and the air and all that doesn't stay within boundaries. It's all over. San Francisco itself uh, is has air warnings, as uh, air quality warnings that have been popping up a lot over the last couple of three weeks. Uh, so the price. And you say, well, that doesn't affect me. Yeah, it will. Because the price of 
all of this is going to end up costing more for your bottle of wine. Your California bottle of wine is going to get more expensive because of the fact that it's going to cost more to produce. It's going to cost more to pay for the insurance that's going to be there. It's going to overall be more expensive on everything. So it will affect you if you're buying California wines or, and I I just say California wines, but, you know, the thing is, it's not just California wines. California sells grape juice and and grapes around the country. Uh, I don't think there is a single state in the nation that doesn't get juice or grapes from California. Everybody does. Everybody has it shipped in and everybody makes it. And because of that, it's going to cost more to get that juice. It's going to cost more to ship it. And that's something that, you know, drives everybody crazy. The shipping costs are outrageous now. And overall, just it's more expensive for everything. And because of that, it's going to be more whenever you go down to the store and grab your bottle of the wine that you're so used to grabbing, you're going to grab it and it's going to end up costing you more money. And you're going to say, why is this up? That's why it's up and because of all that. So just to let you know, uh, you're, go- you're going to see price increase because of what's happening out there. Okay, what is this this article? Okay, this is along the same line. California North Coast wine grape smoke damage is headed to court. And it's because of that. Three North Coast cases that came to the forefront in the past six months related to wine grapes harvested during the Glass, Wahlberg, and Hennessy fires that took place in Napa, Sonoma, and Lake Counties. And it said that uh, Gallo Vineyards, a great growing arm of the Gallo family's wine ventures, sued an affiliate of Napa Valley's Long Meadow Ranch, claiming that it lost $420,000 because contracted fruit last fall was rejected because of smoke damage and had to be sold just before harvest at a much lower price. So the original contract price for the uh, Long Meadow Ranch Wine Estates, LLC, was $5,500 a ton, but Gallo ended up selling their fruit to Custom Crush Winery Canaris Ventures for $2,000 a ton. So Gallo Vineyards is suing because they were rejected on that. It's going to be an interesting result of this because there's smoke taint all over. They're starting to be able to figure, we've talked about this in the past, about what smoke taint and how it can be detected and what it's going to do and all that. But uh, it's uh, an ongoing battle uh, between these people who are rejecting it. Obviously, the companies that are making the wine do not want to take a chance on the grapes being tainted. And if it is, then 
it's not going to be any good on the wine. And you know, you don't know, but there are companies that are being able to test it now, which is a good thing. They're being able to see the the effects of the smoke on the grapes before they actually are made into wine. Normally, smoke taint doesn't show up until the wine is finished. And now it is, uh, they're able to test it. Ohio is permitting direct-to-customer shipments. It is yet another company that is, or another state, I said company, another state, the change to Ohio's direct-to-customer wine shipping laws to allow larger-scale wineries to join the market has been a long time coming, it says. And it's uh, been an ongoing effort by groups such as Free the Grapes and the Wine Institute. Uh, check out Free the Grapes, by the way. I always mention this, freethegrapes.org. Uh, it's a great site to see where it can be shipped and what can't be shipped. And I think there's just one state that's left now that is is restricting this direct-to-customer is New Jersey. I think most others now are allowing it. Um, but Ohio is allowing it. You have to get a license. Uh, it's uh, House Bill 110 contains some provisions that uh, state that it's available to wineries producing more than 250,000 gallons a year. Uh, the license is initial cost of 250 with a renewal of $100 a year, which is really reasonable. I mean, some of the licenses are outrageous in some of these states, but this is really reasonable. So, excuse me. Ohio is now per- permitting direct-to-customer shipping for larger-scale wineries. They used to cut that down. If you're making so much, you couldn't do it. Now they're allowing it. Okay. Russia and Champagne. Let's, uh, yeah, let's talk about that. I mentioned that Russia has announced a new law, or law, I guess, to the world. Their law states we do not want any more Champagne labeled coming into our country. You can label it sparkling wine. You can label it any number of other things that you want, but not champagne. We will reserve that for Russian wine, uh, Russian champagne alone. And everybody's going, what? You can't do that. That's illegal. Well, the French minister uh, has backed champagne over the new Russian law. Uh, The outrage over the new Russian labeling has caused uh, France's foreign trade minister uh, all sorts of irate words and everything to Russia. The only thing, uh, well, champagne makers were taken by surprise late last week. Now, this is a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, Actually, it's more than that. It's about three weeks ago, taken by surprise after President Vladimir Putin reported to have signed a law stating the word Champensky, S-Champensky, which is a direct translation of champagne, 
is now reserved exclusively for domestic wineries in Russia. Uh, so, it says champagne and Latin characters can appear on the main bottle label in Russia, but the back label must say sparkling wine, according to the new Committee of Champagne. So, it says they're still going through some finer points of the rule and all that, but the Minister of, uh, of uh, Foreign Trade is hot about this. He said, we have been called champagne for years. This is our district. Everyone else in the world has agreed to it. And you can't just throw this in here all of a sudden and tell us we can't do this. And guess what? Russia says, yeah, we can. We can do anything we want. So it is becoming a, a quite contentious episode just about every week. I see another article about things going on and things happening and all that about what's going on there about the champagne and labeling it champagne and calling it. Some wineries are saying, well, okay, we can put up with this. We're not going to worry about it. Others are saying, this is ridiculous. We don't want to do this. I don't know what you're trying to do to us. I mean, it's just a continuous, continuous thing. So... I'll let you know as I find out stuff. There's there's a lot of stuff uh, going on about it. Okay, exactly. Or is this the one that? No, there's a, that's a long article. I'm going to read that and find out everything about it before I talk about this. Well, I'll talk about this next week. But the president signed an executive order. I'll give you a little little tease on this. The president signed an executive order basically telling the TTB to do things they've already been doing, but also notes they're a bit vague, bringing up more questions than answers as to what inhibits competition. Okay, this is this is what the executive order basically said. It's uh, uh, promoting competition in the American economy and uh, said nobody had any idea there would be a section completely dedicated to alcohol. It was a surprise to everyone, including TTB. Uh, another executive order wasn't, and it was signed on a Friday afternoon, which is usually a dead time. And before the weekend, there's usually not much press coverage on stuff like that. So it caught everybody as surprise. It says much of the order can be taken as good news, but for the alcohol industry, except that beer, wine, and spirits uh, as a whole are okay. Uh, This is the first time that the federal government has taken a deep look at some of the issues the industry has been battling for years. So, uh, again, I'm I'm not going to get all the way into this here because there's uh, it's a long article that I have to read about, and then there's another one that's pretty pretty long that I have to read about, and I want to be sure I have all the facts and everything in front of me. Uh, it's, you know, does it inhibit competition that you're only allowed to ship to certain states? Uh, is the federal government looking to supersede shipping laws and create a federal shipping license? Oh, my gosh, I hope not. 
Uh, if the federal government gets involved in alcohol distribution, what does that do in terms of the 21st Amendment, which is the one that ended prohibition and turned the power over to the states to regulate it? And, uh, you know, so there's lots of stuff coming up from this. Uh, we don't know. We don't know what's happening yet. I will let you know. As always, as the stories unfold, I will continuously get on top of it and let you know what's happening. Okay. Next one here. Where is it? Oh. Climate change, another issue that is uh, uh, an issue all the time. Climate change is starting to affect wines around the world. And it is not just, excuse me, not just in California, but all over. Foothills of Chianti Classical in Central Italy, uh, a couple making their way down to rows of vineyards and inspect their fruit, and the grapes are ripening too fast under the hot sun. And too much bronzing is going on. And if they're not careful, it can turn it into raisins, turning the wine into a syrupy, unpleasant blend. Annual harvests in, excuse me, into in the uh, county classical region date back to 1354, but now, because of the higher peak temperatures, the biggest jump in over 30 years, there's been an impact on how the grapes are ripening and how they are holding their sugars and how they are staying on the vine. It's a continuous thing. We are going into another cycle. From the 1950s to the 1990s, 1986, something like that, we were in a sort of a cooling period. Now it's switching around into a warming period in a lot of these areas that are used to having ideal temperatures are warming up and they're not so ideal anymore. So the climate change is causing the flavor of the grapes to change because it is uh, causing the sugars to concentrate in the fruit more. And that's going to do two things. If they're going to ferment out the sugars, it's going to raise the alcohol, because that's what happens when you ferment out the sugar of a grape. The alcohol level goes up. If you leave the sugars in, it keeps alcohol low, but it's going to make it sweet. So it's something that wineries are a little concerned about with the quicker ripening and the sugar levels going up in their grapes to keep the consistent quality in the dry wines without making them too sweet, which, you know, it's been an issue over the years, but it's getting worse now. So, uh, excuse me, the, uh, the grapes are, they can't pick them too soon because if they do, then it's, really going to affect, you know, it's not going to be completely ripe and it's going to start giving you a lot of a lot of acid. But if they wait too long, 
then it's going to start getting much sweeter and it's going to create a you know a problem there so we'll see we'll see what's happening i'm sure there's going to be more written about that because it is uh, a constant thing we'll have to look at oh what did i do i lost my page here there it is uh, okay Oh, uh, nope, not there. Okay, here is this what we want right here. Uh, shipping containers. Here's something that caught my eye, which I want to share with you. Shipping containers, something you don't think too much about. You see big cargo ships. I think the last time everybody saw a big cargo ship with shipping containers on it was when that ship got stuck in the Suez Canal and it was full of shipping containers. Shipping containers are great big metal things that they put on ships that sail across the ocean. And they can stack those things tremendously high and load those ships with those shipping containers like you wouldn't believe. And <laughs> something else I'll let you know about here, too. Uh, the shipping container company, the ships that sign you up, you actually have a, a clause in your contract that states that if for any reason that ship is sinking or it's listing in bad waters or anything else like that, it can dump containers and they are not liable for that. So if you happen to be getting something in the container and it's sitting at the top of the thing and they dump it, then you're just, you know, SOL. It's not anything you can do about it. So shipping containers costs continue to rise a lot. And incentives to deadhead empty containers to Asia for quicker turnaround are at the root of these concerns. It just deadhead basically empty containers to ship back to Asia so that they can fill them up and bring them here again. And they're not doing it. They're, they want a full load to go back. And so if wineries are trying to ship wine to places like China and stuff, boats a horrible way to do it, but it's done that way a lot. And same thing with coming up from South America and Chile and, and Argentina and all that stuff. Uh, shipping containers are used a lot to ship wine, which is, I, I hate it. It's a horrible way to do it because they can get really, if they're not taken care of, they can cook the wine. But if they're shipped in the right time of year and stuff like this, it's usually not too much of a problem. But California uh, nut marketeers have seen their shipping prices increase dramatically because uh, of the cost of shipping containers and filling them up and having them shipped at a timely manner. And the same thing happens with 
uh, wine or anything else. Uh, a lot of the shipping containers that you uh, do it, let's say, well, here you go, shipping container fees that were once $2,500 pre-COVID are now much higher. A shipping container from Hong Kong to Los Angeles now costs over $7,600. That's up from $2,500. That does not include shipping costs on the vessel and other assorted costs like, you know, loading and unloading and all that. Those are all different. So spot market container costs are set to run between $12,000 and $15,000 per container. OMG, that is just unbelievable amount of, of increase in the cost of everything. So if you're shipping wines from overseas and you are using containers, it's just causing your cost to jump to the roof again, even more so than what it was. And a lot of ports are backed up. I just saw a picture the other day of ships waiting out in the harbor to get into Los Angeles port. And it was, and I, I may be wrong on a number here, but they said there was like 22 ships sitting out there waiting to get in, which is the most they've had sitting out there waiting ever. It's just, it's backing up. And a couple of reasons. Number one, they're not getting enough workers on the docks. And number two, COVID, which is probably number one. And, you know, other little minor things. But all these ships are sitting out there waiting to be unloaded. And as long as they're sitting out there, it's costing money. And so, therefore, it's going to add to the cost of everything. So, ports need to be running 24 hours a day. And if you're getting wine shipped across the ocean on containers, and a lot of them use containers because it's just so much cheaper than trying to fly enough wine across to fill your orders. Um, the distributing houses and stuff like that will fill up a container in Italy from everywhere, from Spain and France and Germany and all that, get a full container. But uh, it's just, it's, uh, oh, well, here, I just saw an article here. It says, uh, it says uh, ships waiting at Los Angeles returned to over 30 ships in wait as almond, walnut, and potassium harvest activities picked up in California. So they were waiting to fill up. So uh, the uh, U.S. crops shipped predominantly from the three West Coast ports by percentage of total U.S. agricultural exports includes Oranges, 77%. Prepared tomatoes, 75%. Hides and skins, 62%. Cotton, 62%. And wine, 53%. So, pretty big number there on wine. And this is nearly half of all the shipping containers leave from three ports out of California. I want to say... Oakland, L.A., and Long, Long Beach. I was going to think maybe San Diego, but it's Long Beach. So even more costs to our wine. 
everything is set. Everything is going up. And it has. I don't know if you've all noticed that, but everything is costing more money now. So there we go for tonight. I'm going to tell you about the president's executive order and how it's going to affect wine next week. I'm going to talk about that and let you know what's going on with that and how that might affect everything, not just our cost, but a lot of stuff, shipping and everything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and major uh, shipping delays as well uh, in, yeah. in a lot of industries been affected by it and um it's it's just uh, it's amazing how long uh used to get supplies or parts or you know whatever uh, how it used to be and now all of a sudden it can take you know months to get uh something that used to take a couple of weeks if, if that but uh it's ridiculous um a lot of industries affected new cars mm-hmm. new cars are backed up now you, you it's, it's i don't know if it's gotten better but New cars, there's a little box that's, uh, oh, I don't know, three inches by three inches that all the electronics from the car runs through that box. And they're only made in China. And they, China's so far behind that they can't furnish the world with them. Toyota had a contract and they haven't been falling behind. But just about every other car manufacturer around the world is backed up because of those little boxes. Now, you can buy used cars. And actually, if you have a used car, you can go down to any car dealer and they will give you a lot more than it's worth because they want cars on the lot. But new cars are hard to get because of that little box and they can't get them shipped out and made fast enough. And there's another delay. Wow. So, yep. Yeah. Doesn't look yeah. like it's getting any better. It too, doesn't. So. No, it doesn't. That's the sad thing about it. It's just you know, it's not, not picking up any. No. So, um, although well the, yeah. I'm just saying the uh national unemployment compensation checks end tomorrow. This is the they end tomorrow. So all these people have been getting unemployment checks from the government and from the state are going to lose half of that income. So maybe people will start going back to work now and help yeah. out all these businesses that need help. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hope so. Yeah. Um, so, okay. I didn't, I thought it, I thought it already stopped. I didn't realize it was, uh, well, it I just read continuing. something. I, I just read something. <clears throat> ends. I, it said it ended this this Friday, I think, or something like that. I, end of August, but then because August had two days in this week, it goes to Friday. So, uh, or three days, technically. So, so um, yeah. So it, it it is ended though. You're you're right. It's they extended okay. it for a little period of time, but this is it now. <laughs> Over a holiday weekend. <laughs> yeah, oh, is that, you're right. Yeah, I never thought of that. You're right. Yeah. Uh, speaking right. of, yeah, it's, uh, and it's Labor Day, so uh, the day your your funding or the weekend that your funding gets cut off, um, your unemployment, it's the uh, day that people take off for uh, labor. For, uh, labor. Yeah, day. because you're, you're for the workers. Oh, reminder yeah, yeah. again, though. 
before we get off. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Tomorrow, Cabernet Day, and mm. Saturday, International Cabernet and Cabernet Sauvignon Day, and Saturday <laughs> is Chianti Day, and today is South African Sparkling Wine Day, which is Cat Classique Day, which is what it's called. So. Mm. Just some some holidays to celebrate there over the over the weekend. Yep. Um, there you go. Very good. Uh, thank you all out there for tuning in. As always, if you have any questions about the show, I'll direct them to Ron. And the email address is allaboutwine101 at gmail.com. So email him. And uh, also, if you want to be a guest on the show, if you're in the wine industry at some capacity, uh, let us know, and maybe we can get you on the program uh, one of these Thursdays or whenever. Uh, we've also done pre-recorded ones for people around yeah. uh, the other the earth, but uh, yeah, we can we can if do you can't make it on Thursday. Like a, we can work with you. Yeah, yeah, let us know. And uh, thanks again uh, for tuning in, and uh, we appreciate it. And we will see you all next Saturday, uh, Thursday. Um, 7 p.m. September September the uh, 9th will be the next show next Thursday. So uh, have a great week and uh, be safe and uh, be safe for uh, Labor Day. And we'll see you all next time. Thank you. Thank you all very much. Get your shot. Thanks for listening. Yes. Thank you. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook. Or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwine.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly. And we'll see you next time on All About Wine. All About Wine. That was loud there at the end. It was. Uh, okay. We are done on one. Uh, let me close out this other window. Oh, you did, did you leave us again? <laughs>